0: Science of the Southland. Today is September 6th and we have a decent amount of news that's beside the football stuff this weekend. Uh, Jake, can you tell us about the new doubles rankings that just came out today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, for the first time this academic athletic year, Georgia Tech is ranked number one in the country in something. uh, Well, I guess until the U.S. News and World Report comes out for the IE program. But anyways, In the meantime, uh, that distinction goes to Carol Lee and Kate Cherubura, uh, who are your country number, the country's number one doubles pairing. Uh, And they're followed closely behind, actually, by Ava Roster and Kyle Bilchev uh, at number nine. So two teams in the top 10 uh, is a great way to start out the year. Uh, We kind of unboxed why. Doubles being uh just one point when it is three courts that play is a little bit underpowered, but um you know if you can lock down that free point each time, you put yourself in a great place to win a bunch of singles matches um or matches in general, and our singles aren't too far behind him with Carol Lee at number sixteen uh Kylie Bilchev at number seventy three Ava roster at one eighteen and interestingly, I think for being part of the number one doubles pairing, kate Sharabura isn't even on the list, so I would argue that you know maybe once they start playing we see. Even more improvement out of that because that's uh, that's a pretty great start and uh, uh you know they return a lot of the a lot of the team from last year so there wasn't too much of a surprise there but number one is definitely uh, an awesome place to be headed into the season which will start soon for the fall tournament.
0: Yeah, I wasn't. I, I mean, I didn't. And this wasn't on my mind that this was coming, but I mean, that's. Imagine being a tech team that has the target on your back immediately. I mean, we've talked about volleyball having that, and and Kali has talked about that herself and a bunch of stuff. But, like, no, this is out the gate for them. Um, And with any success, I have to imagine Sarah Burrow will absolutely climb into the singles rankings just because any success will breed more success, and the rankings should acknowledge that. I mean,
1: if we're talking about target on the back-to-start, golf, number three in the country by the Golf Channel poll and number four uh, in the Golf Week poll, Uh, These are the preseason polls as well. So lots of interesting, uh, I guess, strong starts to the season. I I don't know if we've seen the men's tennis rankings yet, but between golf, uh, women's tennis and volleyball, you know, it's just littering the top five in three different sports. And that's not something that I think it's enough play, uh, whether or not it's the season opening rankings.
0: Hence, why it's leading this podcast. Um, golf is returning: Forrester, Steelman, Hal, Lamprecht, and Reuter. So, I mean, that basically that entire team is back.
1: I was going to say, it doesn't even count the uh, the kids who, you know, maybe are the fifth, sixth option, uh, and, right. and may not right. score every week either. So, lots yeah. of uh, lots of depth waiting in the wings that we've seen uh, in amateur action over the summer. So, it should be really interesting to see. Uh,
0: in cross country world, Akshay, we uh, we ran at Barry. Uh, we we talked about how they were, had a night run on a Friday night, which is a very unusual cross-country start time. But what, 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 what do we have happening here?
2: Uh, night run uh, for cross-country, that is a choice. Uh, I don't really know what was going on with that scheduling choice, but uh, it was fortuitous for Tech. Tech swept both the men's and the women's uh, first place positions. They got 15 points, so they won the whole thing. Um, the list of teams that I saw for this one, what well, did not feature anyone that I immediately recognized in terms of schools, I'd have to go back and check. And actually I probably can. Cause I, I remember have it looking at
0: last year's list and not recognizing any names either or any of the team names either. So I, I, I wonder if we asked them if we could run there just to be like, Hey, we need reps. Do you care if we show up at all?
1: Not quite the usual circumstance as well. Seeing Georgia tech, not just atop the list, But when you go to click on the recap button on their website, it shows up as you can't view a draft. So definitely an interesting all-around tournament. But um, anyways, uh, I saw Morehouse on the list, uh, some unattached. And then after that, you got Barry and a lot of question marks. So definitely definitely not our normal competition, I think, is a political way to put that.
2: I would say that... It looks like tech is the only I guess Morehouse might is Morehouse D two? Because if they are, then Tech is the only D one program on either of these start lists. Uh and yeah, they're D two. Being as it is, tech placed one through five in all or in both men's and women's. So I, I don't know if we need to spend too much more time on this one because the the field is not necessarily what we expected it to be, or at least maybe what you might have intuitively expected to be um we'll be back at barry later this season um but north alabama's up next in a couple weeks so we'll we'll cover that one when we get to it
0: for the podcast that's all things tech sports we make sure to acknowledge all things tech sports as they happen um and speaking of more things that happened we had tech volleyball finally got some games in o'keefe this year they had their home opener for the gt invitational i believe was the name of this set of games um, we played Dayton, we played Arizona State, we played Florida International. Actually, you were there for this, Jake. I, I don't know if you we were there for any of these either, but I'll let actually start because he was tweeting live, tweeting these games. Um, with Dayton, 3-0 sweep seemed pretty normal. That
2: one was interesting. Um, if you go back, excuse me, if you go back and look at the plot that I posted on Twitter, which I now have to remind myself of, um, which is where, come on. Uh, I'm going to find it later. But if you go back and look at the plot, this game was pretty close uh, in the first set, Um, but not so much after that. I think we've seen a common theme with tech this season where they just don't come out of the gate firing, and it takes some time to really get the engine room going. And I think I said as much on Twitter about that. Um, uh, One thing to note, though, and I also made this joke on Twitter, is that the crowd... Was in full mid season form, right? It was a packed house every single game. Um, I think FIU had a little bit of a uh, little bit of, of uh attendance drop, but like okay, I mean, you go from like twelve hundred to eleven 1, hundred. It doesn't change the amount of noise that that crowd is projecting. It doesn't change any of the results on the board here. But just to make sure we get through um, all the games here, we talked about the Dayton one pretty pretty reasonable. Arizona State, I think, is pretty notable. Um Arizona State played tech pretty tough in the second set and the third set. The third set they actually won and they won in a pretty dominating fashion. Uh I think almost holding tech to single digits uh, uh, for a time there. And it was one of the worst sets that I think I'd seen tech play in a long time. And even worse than the Ole Miss uh, opening season set that we saw them play uh, yeah, yeah. over there at Oxford. Um, but I I think part of the thing, part of the bit there is that it wasn't like tech was making errors or misplaying passes. It wasn't like fundamental mechanical issues, right? It was balls were just bouncing in a specific direction that just so happened to benefit Arizona state. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, that immediately, like I've never seen regression back to the mean happen so quickly than I have in that next set. Because as soon as the set turns over, you have all of the balls bouncing Tech's way um, in yeah. set four, and just Tech just sort of raffle stomped uh, Arizona State in that fourth set to to win. Um, almost held Arizona State to single digits in that last set, but uh, Arizona the, or ask, the Sun Devils. I-
0: yeah. Go for well, it. You want to ask this about that game though? Like uh, momentum's a thing that gets talked about a lot and like, and whether it's real or not in sports. And I've always felt like in volleyball, that's where you can kind of feel it a lot because you have the fact someone can get on a serving roll, mm-hmm. and, and just really feel like, okay, this is like, they've got a couple of points in them for sure. Pending long rallies or something like that. Tennis kind of has a, a similar thing as well. Um, I mean, did it feel like in that moment where tech went from just not scoring to then, doing nothing but scoring. Like, did it feel like, like Arizona State was on the back foot as much as you possibly could be in that kind of setting? I think they
2: were, but I I, I think – uh, so I'm not a I'll preface this with I'm not necessarily a believer in momentum, but I do understand what you mean by when you're saying, okay, that serving – that keeping the consistent ser- – like, or conserve yeah. is important. Um, The way that I saw it is that Arizona State – mechanically was getting wasn't doing anything special, but where they were getting lucky on random chance on balls falling in, uh, in the exact place they wanted to put them, et cetera, et cetera, not getting finding open patches of court, et cetera, in that third set. And then in the Ford set, it's not that tech was doing anything different, but balls started bouncing their way. So, but, and on top of that, Arizona state started making mechanical mistakes right passes weren't being passes weren't being completed um they weren't in the right position to receive balls so i, I think more than momentum it's just you you like you got to get lucky on some of your positioning uh when you're dealing with a ball that bounces in the air uh, bounces and bounces in the air um and arizona state went from being in the right places and putting the ball in the right places to not being in the right places and not putting the ball in the right place so yeah, yeah. um really um, wild swinging statistically there
0: yeah so we got that we got that set one three one and we played florida international won that three oh not a huge deal there um florida International kept it close uh but it, it still is a pretty classic tech game jake did we shift in the rankings at all
1: no sir uh still in the top five still number five but uh i think we might be in for a little bit more potential movement coming up this weekend
0: we definitely are. We uh, Julia Bergman was named ACC Player of the Week. for the second straight week. At this point, I'm gonna. St- I think we should start having MVP chance. I don't know if they give that award out. I'm forgetting, but uh, Julia's in the running for number one volleyball player in the country right now, and there's no stopping her. Um, but yes, this week we have two games at home. We have at number number ten BYU coming on Thursday. It is on the eighth. is a seven o'clock game. And then a two-day hiatus. There's uh, it's it's basically another like multi-team round-robin sort of situation this weekend. I forgot what this one's called what? The, it, I think this is the Georgia Tech Classic is what they're naming this one. Um, you just got to find a way to name these things. Uh, but on Sunday we play Ohio State at 1 p.m. in a rematch of the Sweet 16 matchup that got the Jackets to the Elite Eight before they lost to Louisville. Um, also at this point, Bergman most followed volleyball player on Instagram. Granted, she's got three different countries. She's basically roping in between Germany, Brazil, and the United States. So, yeah, got some advantages there in terms of social media. Um, I did see the entire volleyball team in the same row in the section next to me at the football game, which we'll get into after our little break here.
1: And taking a short break before we move on to football, it is our weekly trip down the Section 103 lane, our podcast business. Uh, This week, our feature design is ATL apparel. That's because Saturday at uh, Bobby Dodd Stadium is ATL day. Uh, So for that 7 p.m. kick under the lights, how better to celebrate than with an ATL shirt? And the only place to get it for some reason, don't know why, but for some reason, uh, is section103.com. It's very soft. It's very quality. Uh, I am almost always wearing a section one o three shirt when we podcast and also whenever it comes out of the wash, because I always want to be wearing section one Oh three great friends to the site. Uh, and today only as this drops, uh, well, I guess yesterday and today only, uh, when this podcast drops is four Oh four off all ATL apparel. So again, uh, be in theme for this weekend's game. Again, that's 7 PM for ATL day and free shipping over 70 bucks as per usual, uh, that being said, you can also find them, like we said, uh, not only at section103.com, but also uh, at section103 on Twitter uh, for more news about deals and new shirts and the interactive polls that they really do um, to engage all of us uh, tech fans. So love working with them, and feel free to give them a shout anytime.
0: Jake, we were at the said football game, and because of that, and actually it was not. I will let him guide us through that conversation. I'll at least start by saying. Um, I mean, the game kind of went as we expected. I think we all agree on that front.
2: Jack, why don't you tell us about the score? Let's lead with the score before okay. we uh before we dive into a conversation
0: when well, so the score was t- forty one to ten Clemson uh at the end what isn't what you can't see from that is that it was zero zero until about ten minutes into the until with about ten minutes left in the second quarter. Which meant we did go a full 19 minutes and change without allowing a point, which at that point I was sexting friends, I feel like we've already won, knowing that there was a lot of ways there was to still lose. But to get to that point, I felt was memorable, considering my last two games I had been to was at Notre Dame and versus Georgia, where at best I saw us attempt a 45-yard field goal that Jude Kelly had no shot to make. He made one that he made one yesterday. So he's got the leg, he's got more leg than he used to have. Uh, but yeah, no, score wise, um Clemson beat the spread. It was a twenty six and a half point spread and the, they cleaned that up at the end. i
2: saw it I saw it as low as twenty one and a half. Uh I I think the live line or excuse me, the um the latest line, the closing line was twenty four and a half, which uh I bet someone
0: 24, I think, is what I saw at the end.
2: Some, some friend of ours or some uh, friend, of the, friend of the desert of ours is probably sweating that one for a little bit. But let's, I, I think a good place to start as I take over the hosting seat from Jack. Tell me something about the atmosphere there. Because I, I was, like I said, I wasn't able to go. Jake and I had a conversation last year about how the first game of this series felt. Right. What what was the marketing value or what was the atmospheric value of having a home game that would have been at Bobby Dodd in an NFL stadium, for better or for worse? And I think we both came back from that saying, meh, if I remember correctly. Jake, let's go with you first. Has your opinion changed from that meh? I think,
1: if anything, my opinion has kind of gone down a little. Um, just because with the Clemson game, we kind of had the benefit or curse of comparing it to the Tennessee game, right? It's very similar circumstance. It's Monday, Labor day, Um, you know, and, and Jack, I'm not sure if you were there, but I, I know Akshay and I were, and they literally put the student section. It was so full that they put the student section in the upper deck and it was packed to the gills. Yeah. And this was just, wildly different right i know there were some notes about the student section being weirdly shaped it didn't take a full end zone yeah maybe that tennessee game was 50-50 but this was a uh, 45000 fans if they were lucky i know they said 47 was the attendance but i don't think they put a butt in every seat if you know what i mean um but it was it just felt like a very different 50-50 um in, in a way that wasn't quite the same i think with the unc it felt a little bit more like a one off you know it was a saturday um, different, different. I guess connotation. I don't know. I, and part of this is also me just projecting the fact that I had seemingly for no reason worse tickets than I did last year, and was completely surrounded by Clemson people. Even though in Bobby Dodd Stadium, um, there's there's a group of people that you know. It's when you sit there for every game, you realize the people are, that are around you, and the people that I purposefully choose to sit next to, i.e. the people that all you know that are the 12 or 15 people in a row coordinate to sit by each other we're nowhere near each other but then on top of that I didn't even see any of our like usual other suspects if you know what I mean so definitely a bit of a downer um, in that regard especially just being you know I guess essentially in enemy territory in in the home stadium but I, I don't know I, I don't really know what I was expecting but it, it just felt different I think.
0: I was at the Tennessee game as well and the North Carolina game so yeah I've been to all three and I guess this is the comparison game to Tennessee because this these were those were both Chick-fil-A kickoff classic Labor Day games um though no, I I was in the middle of that 300 section at the time uh and like I remember like holy crap this is quite and that was my first game as a student so I was like holy crap this is incredible like we're oh, getting we're getting all the stops we got national television we're the only game and everything and darn was close to the close to winning that if if we had converted the two-point conversion at the end of at, at overtime then um but the vibe was great. And like, the team was like supposed to like be half decent that year too. So like, I think that also is a big portion of why it was easy to fill that stadium up. And it was Tennessee. It's like, you'll fill up a, a stadium with Tennessee people, no problem. Um, and then Bobby Tapp was good that year. I, I, I don't, I, I don't think, I think I'm in the same boat though. Like this just didn't feel like a true tech crowd. I mean, And also Clemson's not a boisterous cl- crowd, yeah they've won a bunch of stuff, but like they're one of the most overly nice fan bases if you go to a Clemson game in Clemson um like they are on average they are very good people, and they're not gonna be the kind despite some videos I'd seen of some weirdos fighting in the stands uh they're not the kind of folks that are gonna like antagonize you either like they've they've had their piece they've they've won their trophies, they know where they are um so and in that sense, I think it was up to us to like bring some energy, and I, we had nothing to really cheer for by the end to really do that.
2: It's one of the things that w- there was a lot of hay made about before the game is that the upper deck wasn't going to be available for seating. It, it wasn't going to be sold. It was completely closed off. The weird thing is that they didn't tarp it. You could see in photos and see on the broadcast that they never they, the Atlanta United tarps that are usually down when the stadium is in that configuration, we're not down. So you have a situation where you don't have that padding to reflect sound back down to the field. And so it just bounces back off of the ceiling. And, you know, it's a massive echo. Um, And I know one of you put in our shot sheet, it it was 50-50 in terms of fans, but it was just quiet. Like the entire stadium was quiet. And I've never been even during Falcons game in the Falcons have terrible attendance. Let's let's be very clear. The Falcons have atrocious a Falcons
0: attendance. Game. This, this was louder than a Falcons game. That much I can say.
2: Okay, fair. But but like that that's my basis for be it being quiet enough to hold a full conversation. Right? Like and, and that's what I, I that's what one of y'all put in the shot sheet. It's it's just it's it continues to be frustrating to me uh, that we're giving up conference games and putting them in an environment where they're set up for a certain level of failure, right? Regardless yeah. of whether it's the opponent or the environment or uh, or any sort of infrastructural reason, pri- ticket pricing or, or, or date of the game or what have you. I, I, I think it it just sets us up for failure. I think one of the things that you said in talk comparing this to the Tennessee game comes to mind, it's like, oh, man, this is awesome. We're the only game on today. And there's two ways you can say that, right? Oh, yes, we're the only game on today. All of the eyes are on us. And, oh, God, we're the only game on today. Everyone's eyes are on us. And the entire day and the entire weekend, the only thing that I could think of about this game was the latter.
1: One thing I do want to note is I'm pretty sure the tarps were not uh, down last year because I think we had a whole bit on the podcast about that. Uh, but I could be right. I could be misremembering.
0: No, you're right. They it's... weren't down. They weren't down. Yeah, they don't. If it's not if they if it is not an Atlanta United game, they will not put those tarps down. Like okay, they, that they, makes they, sense. They reserve that for the team.
1: The the atmosphere. As always, the Benz is a great stadium, but it's just not home. And I think that's what uh, the people I was walking out with were kind of at, too, was just like, man, I just miss Bobby Dodd a little bit, you know?
0: Also, this wasn't mayhem at the Benz. This was a Chick-fil-A game. Like, this wasn't even our, uh, like, the thing we advertised last year. Of, like, it's a home game at Mercedes. Like, this wasn't even that. Like, we've done that once. We've had one home game at Mercedes, really, out of this whole three games and three games in six years at the Benz.
1: And yet this counts as as a home game, too, because like, you know, Clemson, we're going there next year. <laughs> we're going there next year. And my the thing that grinds my gears get college football scheduled 10 years in advance is the Tennessee game was the perfect encapsulation of what this could be for Georgia Tech. You are the only game on right. All the eyes are on you on a Monday. You have this phenomenal stadium to play in, you know, a great venue. Because it it objectively is. I like Bobby Dodd better, but Mercedes-Benz is a great, great stadium. And the third thing is you can use it for one-off exhibition, not exhibition, but one-off like marquee events in a way that we play Clemson every year. Yeah. The Notre Dame game, even though we play them kind of often, made sense to go there because that was the original plan in 2020. The you're going to have a Mercedes-Benz game, you know, make it Monday every year, make it a, an appointment. Georgia Tech owns this date kind of thing and put Tennessee in there, put Auburn in there, put Alabama in there. I I, I know that's scary thought to think about. And, you know, because as the ACC is going to go towards this non-divisional movement, we're going to get teams more often. So those are going to be less, you know, oh, my gosh, it's Florida State. We won't see them again for a decade. But, you know, even Vandy, you know, like just some classic tech rival or, you know, oh, it's. 2028 Mercedes-Benz mayhem against Cal in the 100th anniversary of the Rose Bowl of 1928. I know that's nerdy. I know Cal fans don't travel. But, like, put your marquee matchups in there and make it, make it an event. Because it has such potential to do that. In 2024, I know it's going to be Clemson again. But maybe they can make it happen in, like, 2031 when the schedule opens
2: up. Uh, would you like to guess who the opponent for this exact same game is next year? Isn't it Louisville? Yeah, buddy. Guess who's uh, one of Georgia Tech's uh, protected rivals in the new ACC conference structure?
1: Maybe that's why Louisville wound up being our protected rival. It's because they're like, oh, crap. We already told them they'd play Louisville in 2023. What have we done?
2: Let's talk about the game on the field. I want to start with... The offensive performance for both teams, and I have the game on paper box score pulled up in our shot sheet. There's a lot of green on the Clemson side, but I'm not particularly convinced of the fact that Clemson runs a tight ship on the offensive side of the ball i like i said i didn't I, I didn't actually get the chance to watch the game. I followed this box score for most of the night. Clemson did not. Go above positive EPA per play until the like near the end of the third quarter, like when we are firmly like, talking about garbage time. Um, yards per play for them was five point five point four seven. That's twentieth percentile in twenty twenty one, or that would have been twentieth percentile in twenty twenty one. EPA per drop back was point two two, but that's been juiced by garbage time and Kate Clubneck coming in and all that stuff. It, DJ Uyunglele is not the guy. Like he's Yagule. he's not the guy. That OL was not, from what I was reading online, that offensive line was getting pushed around in spots by Georgia Tech's defensive line. We'll talk about them in a bit. Um, a lot of these Clemson stats are juiced by garbage time, and one of them that's not even juiced is yards per dropback, on which they only got 6.3 yards per dropback. 29th percentile in the nation in twenty twenty one. It was not a good offensive performance for Clemson, and I think we we'll start there and then mosey on along. Jack, I think you have you said you had something on this.
0: Yeah, no, the it, it, DJ was it was weird just how easy it was to get to to get, to get pressure on him early. Like I, I was mentioning, how we just didn't allow a point in that first nineteen minutes. Like it was because we got back there. Like we I mean Sims was a pick on the first play. And then the three, and then we have a three and out immediately after that. Like, effectively, it was a first down punt, all things considered, um, with how far Sims chucked it. But, yeah, no, Uliagle De- wasn't getting like good – he wasn't getting that many open guys, for one. And when he did have some open guys, he was hitting them. Um, but, no, we had pressure. They couldn't run up the middle. Like, we just had it on lockdown for a while there. Um, and they just didn't have the creativity or the I, – I, I just I don't know what Dabo wanted to do necessarily in that moment, but uh yeah, they're they, they they we they didn't have any momentum. I mean, not to try to insert it again, but yeah, there was nothing they weren't showing any promise early at all. The first quarter was just two very rough goes that offense and defense is able to kind of do whatever they wanted at the start. Uh
2: and I don't want to say that tech was per- any bit particularly better. All right. I'd see a lot of purple on this chart <laughs> on the tech yeah. half of it. Uh, let's let's read some percentiles off from the top. Uh, EPA per play, first percentile at negative uh, 0.25 EPA per play. Success rate, 35%. Fifth percentile, uh, yards per play, 3.6, right? Like, it was not a good offensive performance on that side of the ball, but I, I think there are some takeaways there, right? Like, there, there's – if you are looking for nuggets of hope, I think there were a couple um, – a couple, especially in some of the quick passing game that we saw from from Jeff Sims, right? He was able to get like sure the yards per play is is low, the yards per drop back is low, but he got the. But you have a offensive line that you know is going to be a work in progress. You have some receivers that you know are are experienced and know you're going to be good, and you have a quarterback that likes to be on his feet this is sort of what you have to do in order to make some sort of progress. And obviously some of these stats, they are from garbage time when tech was not able to do a bunch of anything offensively and comes and decided to pretend that it was an NFL level defense again. Um, But tell me a little bit about the offense for Georgia tech and what you saw there, Jack.
0: Uh, I actually was decently pleased with Sims. I don't think he was necessarily like playing bad. I mean, I think that, that for, Collins called a deep ball in the first play. Like, all right, gutsy, let's try and catch Clemson early. Like, just let's see if we can catch him sleeping off the get-go. No one was open that entire play. Um, and he just threw a 50-50 ball and was on the wrong 50 on that. Um, but, I mean, his he had a positive EPA when he was running. He had to scramble a lot. Um and he wasn't, and I, and I think he did a good job recognizing where he could scramble um, knowing when he had to as well. I mean, I mean, as we mentioned with Robert last week, like it's not like we have an outstanding receiver core, like this is going to have to happen at times. Um, and he also got lucky with some drop balls um, with some guys. So I, I, I honestly have nothing really against Sims in this game. It's just like the supporting cast there with yeah, as a work in progress, offensive line, and not all of the greatest, uh, not not a receiving core that's going to do the job really and we try to work in the tight ends uh we did I th- we that there were you could, you could see the chip long effect pretty much the whole game of working in tight end stuff um there was also some screen plays that were decently that were decent that were thrown in my only like, takeaway on that is there were some linemen that just decided the play was over as soon as the ball left sims's hand and did not play any blocking whatsoever and cost us many yards on that uh possibly since quarters so um, definitely still stuff to clean up, but I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm i not going to say, I I think we said this week Sims should be really good. I think he's going to be, have, have a fun time.
2: Yeah, I, he's due. Yeah, he's, he's due for sure. I, I think, I, I think we see a lot of our friends of the pro- program, especially in the analytics community. They're like, we see something in Jeff Sims. Right, we see some of the, some of those underlying numbers, maybe that we don't have access to. But maybe if you you're on PFF for for or Sports Info Solutions, you see some of those underlying numbers that make you say, "Okay, I think he can be a thing." Um, but stuff like there's some game management and procedural stuff that you, that just burns your offense so hard that from some perspectives you might say, like. Well, just the way that you're playing offense is killing any momentum that the offense and Sims can get going. Right, a bunch of false start penalties in this one, a bunch of illegal substitution penalties in this one. You in year four of a head kill. coach,
0: it no matter who in you
2: year, absolutely. And in year four of a head coach, you just can't have those. Right, like that, some of. And I understand that they turned over part of the staff, um, but you cannot be you just can't do some of the disciplinary penalties here um and that's the most top. avoidable thing too yes we had a whole bit on this uh, in the 2021 offseason about getting the small things right and i think at this point i'm a little disappointed a little is an understatement i'm definitely disappointed in how that has turned out so far um the other thing that i was disappointed out on before we move on to the defensive side of the ball and I guess this is a good segue into the defensive side of the ball since this was on defense is that this coaching staff completely forgot how to manage a play clock and a game clock at multiple points during this game. Uh, I was following along at times in the, in the moon crew discord and people were very bad at a, uh, at, at the lack of timeout used to try to force Dabo into punting instead of faking a fourth down, Uh, attempt uh, right before half and then just letting time run off the clock and then not giving Tech a shot to go to the end zone at the end so Tech goes into the half with all three first half timeouts and then finds a way to burn all of their second half timeouts I think by the beginning of the fourth quarter there's a lot of stuff there a lot of stuff packed into that that just frustrates me greatly Uh, but I think in terms of things that didn't frustrate me as much as that, I think the defense was actually a bright spot uh, last night, despite giving up 41 points, I will say. Um, wouldn't you say, Jake?
1: Yeah, I would. I'm not the classic scheme uh, dude, if you will. But uh, in terms of you know Georgia Tech just creating a, at least a little bit more havoc, it felt like we had five tackles for loss, three sacks, uh, and – that's more than Clemson in term in terms of sacks, not in terms of, uh, tackles for loss, but, um, you know, only got out, uh, out turnovered forced, uh, by one. So I, I, against a top five team, I think that's, that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's not the best defense, but I think a lot of us, at least from what I could tell on the internet from talking from the rumble seat, um, casual friends who are not as plugged in, um, old staffers of various stripes. It seems like that was everybody's biggest takeaway is, hey, maybe maybe Jeff Collins saying, hey, because that is what he said. He was like, you know what? I was doing too much CEOing of the team, not his exact words. I'm going to lock in and, and do more coaching. If this is him doing more coaching, like, I think it's working. It, it, it looked better, at least. The defensive line was pretty stout. And, you know, considering... A couple of those drives were in garbage time. uh, And a couple of those drives started on what? I think the one after the fumble started on like the five or the 10, something like that, something very small. It's not like it's, if you get rid of the outliers, I think, you know, the, the meat of the game, they, they played pretty well. Um, Yeah. I I mean, Clemson had some long drives, but for the most part, uh, we've seen worse. and, And I can confidently say that because, I saw 73 to 7 with my own eyes. And this was not 73 to 7. This game was closer than the score indicated. And, you know, it, it's easy to say, oh, we lost. Oh, we lost by 31. Oh, we didn't cover whatever. You know, a, a big reason we were in the game at all was because the defense did make stops. And, you know, there was a couple of times where DJ got lucky. You know, that that shovel pass desperation yeah. on what would have otherwise been a sack setting up, I think fourth and really long um in their own territory turning into a first down that that's that's tough and that's part of the randomness that defines a football game or any game really um and you know just another like there's a weak targeting call in there too that was also on third down i think like that's not going to happen every game especially um the the randomness of the scoop pass thing um and, and i think a couple of those plays that dj had to make were because he was getting hands in his face or getting pressured. Um, And, and, you know, a desperation pop pass or the shovel pass, you know, it it, it means something that they were able to force that in the first place. And maybe I'm trying to be overly optimistic, but um, based on the amount of nodding I've seen from the two of you, I'm going to go with that somewhat agreeing with me,
2: maybe. So here's the way that I see it. I think it's a combination of – I, what I was saying before about in the offense being extremely turbo garbage and some level of improvement from this defense as a whole, right? I, I, and we talked about this last week when we did our preview. This pass defense was literally last in the country in terms of EPA per dropback allowed. They allowed 0. 0.45 EPA per dropback every time – that a quarterback dropped back to pass they added a half point to their overall total right if you cannot throw more effectively on on a defense that has not changed structurally all that much you you're going to have some problems right so that's part of it and i think it's a, still a testament to the improvement in the offseason of that of that team to to you know Make up for some of those mistakes last year and be better, especially versus a team that is, has a definite talent advantage, right? I, I think there's much hay to be made about Clemson's positional talent, the wide receiver, quarterback, who's, who's the guy who's, you know, who's who's got the dog in them who doesn't. But they did, the Georgia Tech defense did better than expected in this game. They did not get the, door, the doors absolutely blown off of them over the top. They kept a lot of things in front of them, and I think there is there there's something to that, right? And I don't feel like I'm being generous. I think there is some nugget in there to build off of. Jack, you, you get the final word on this before we move on.
0: Yeah, got to start somewhere. Um, and yeah, I mean, as Jake said, this is not 73-7. to 7. I was there for that too, and good lordy was that. I mean, hey, they only played two quarterbacks against us this time instead of four. Uh, so we... We're not getting as blown out as we used to in terms of how bad subs were playing. Like I, I won't belabor that anymore. But, uh, yeah, I I think we're it's something to build off of. I think I'm really thankful we have Western Carolina now next week to be able to like I think more fully practice. Not that we're not even want to call that game of practice, but more fully try and execute some things that we didn't have last week. Do a lot. I think first and foremost you have to clean up the dumb the dumb false start penalties. I mean. I, that you, you're training that in Pee Wee, like that's just basic football right there is don't jump off. only been saying that they're
2: dumb penalties up. for four years by the way
0: only four years i mean that stuff has to that has to get cleaned up there is no team that's gonna win consistently and do that so that, that's i think that's my biggest thing there um is clean that up and see where you go from there the talent's not a thing that's going to the talent cannot jump as much as cleaning up pre-snap penalties can That's and now that'll save us a lot of time. That'll save us a lot of yards. um, And hopefully that can turn into something that is maybe if we don't beat Ole Miss turns into something that's like, okay, we at least know we're going to play our best football and not shoot ourselves in the foot before we even start to start a play.
2: Yeah. And just to wrap up that, that Western Carolina game, that is next Saturday. That is the Georgia Tech home opener at Bobby Dodd Stadium. That is a 7 p.m. I think it was 7 p.m. kick on ACC Network Extra, also probably your RSN. Uh, important note, it's also at the same time as an Atlanta United game at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. That is a weird little quirk about the schedule. I would say both of, both of those teams at playing their respective sports about the same quality.
0: Yes, yes. I will be at United instead this weekend. Instead of Western Carolina for reasons, but also just keep note of that. Like when you're going to the stadiums, too, like keep in mind, oh, it's going to be terrible. Keep there is two sets of 40 plus thousand people going to stadiums a mile apart.
1: Yeah, traffic is going to be terrible. Western Carolina game. So we'll be able to podcast with some modicum of competency next week. So you're welcome, everyone.
2: Thank you. You're welcome, America. Uh, Speaking of America, let's move on to a you know, a smattering of ACC games along the eastern seaboard of the United States of America in our ACC blind, rapid-fire-tasting men. Let's start at the top on Friday, September 9th. Louisville goes to the bounce house and plays UCF. Jake, you have the first pick.
1: Mmm... Picking Louisville last week kind of blew up in my face, but I'm going to do it again because I'm glutton for punishment. So give me the cards.
2: Glutton for punishment is right, Jack.
0: I am taking the old uh, 2017 national champion Golden Knights here. Are they the Golden Knights or just the Knights? I think that makes them mad. I
2: think they're just the Knights now. They're the Central Florida Golden Knights as is canon. Uh, Central Florida here favored by six and a half. Uh, We will skip the Tech game. Moving on to the Nooner on ACC network it's weird that the tech game is sorted before in nooner uh southern miss goes to number 15 miami miami's favored by 26 jack you're first
0: uh it's southern miss this is gonna be easy for miami also it's sorted first because they're probably set as a favorite in your account
2: Mm, technology Mm. it's dumb jake uh give me the canes Ooh, no drama. Speaking of drama, Noon on SEC Network, number 23, Wake Forest, plays Vanderbilt.
0: Wake is favored by
2: 13. Jake, you're up first. I would say give me the
1: nerds, but that's both of them. I'll take Wake. Jack?
0: Uh, Wake's got their quarterback back this week, correct? Yes, but don't
2: read about the procedure that he had. It emotionally scarred me.
1: Yeah, the horrifying, yeah, not good.
0: If, you, if you're medically inclined to learn about some some uh, just operations that aren't the tastiest, uh, that's what happened there. But yeah, I'm taking a week. It's
2: very, that the, the operation was very anti-tasting menu. Speaking of things that are anti-good taste, noon on FS1, Duke versus Northwestern. Northwestern favored by 10. Jake, you're up first. Uh, give
1: me the cats. Uh, I I don't I don't believe in Duke until they play a team that hasn't been coached by Jeff Collins in the last five years.
2: Northwestern, not just.
1: I, we're gonna unpack Temple. Unpack that Duke later, play Jack. Temple. Duke blew out Temple. Temple bad. Northwestern beat Nebraska. Fluky, probably also bad. But we'll rapid we'll
0: find fire, out.
2: Jake. Rapid fire,
0: Jeff. Northwestern because uh, the place is called Ryan Field and I have, we have a mutual friend named Ryan Field. So, in, in his honor, go go Cats! <laughs> also,
2: they don't oh, put the grass oh. at that stadium. Oh,
1: I've been there for a game. It was the week after Paterno got ousted from Penn State, and Penn State rapid came to Pennston. Sorry, rapid, rapid announce fire. the next game. Shut me up, please. <laughs> Jeez.
2: Noon on ESPNU at Center Park Stadium, formerly known as Turner Field. North Carolina goes to play Georgia State. North Carolina favored by seven and a half. Jake, you're up first. Why is North Carolina playing two Sunbelt teams on the road? Uh, don't ask questions you don't want to know the answers to. Please answer rapid fire, um, though. Uh, give me the
1: heels. Wow. Busy day in Atlanta Saturday.
2: God, traffic is going to be so bad. Uh, Jack.
1: Take the train! Sorry.
2: Tar Heels, it is 12.30 ESPN3. I assume that's also your RSN. Charleston Southern goes to number 18, NC State. There's no line on this one, so I assume, Jack, you are taking...
0: The 18th ranked North Carolina State Wolfpack, yes.
2: And
1: Jake? It would be hilarious if they lost, but give me NC State.
2: Pretty sure Charleston Southern was uh, tied ten ten with Bama at one point, but this is rapid fire. We're not going to go into that story. Three thirty ACC Network. Furman goes to number five Clemson. Uh, no line on this one either. Jake, you're up first. Give me Clemson, Jack. Tigers. 3.30 ABC, possibly the best game of the weekend, at least in terms of ACC play. Number 24, Tennessee, plays number 17, Pitt. Tennessee favored by six and a half. Jack, your first.
0: Pitt had a fun game against West Virginia. They got the backyard brawl back. They had a, It was a good time uh, in Tennessee. I mean, they always creep up into the top part of the rankings for a little bit, and then they lose something that's like, okay, clearly they're a fraud here. Um, so they really need to win. Uh, but it's in pit. I'm 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 gonna stick with Pitt. I think they'll be I think they'll be alright. Even though they are uh, favored to lose by a touchdown.
2: Jake,
1: give me the Panthers. I think they're gonna shake off a lot of the rust.
0: Over/under
2: on that one is 66. I'm very very interested. Uh, 4 p.m. ESPNU. U. Virginia goes to Illinois. Uh, Mr. Big Ten correspondent. Illinois favored by four and a half. Do you like it? Do you not like
1: it? I L L I N I Illinois. I thought they were going to get to 2 and 0 last week. I think they'll get to 2 and 1 today or this week.
2: Jack.
0: I don't know if any either of these teams are good. Uh I I I have no they're I, not. I would I would say if this was 2016, this would go to five overtimes and the game would last 6 hours. Uh I'll just I'll just say Illinois because it's because it's there.
1: 7 p.m. They're orange and Blue. That's all we can say about that game. They're both orange. Speaking
2: blue. of Speaking of literally orange and blue, Syracuse-Yukon, 7 p.m. CBS Sports Network at Pratt & Whitney Stadium in East Hartford. Syracuse favored by 22.5. Jake, you have first. Yeah. Um, give me cues. They looked kind of good last week. They absolutely pasted Louisville 31-7 to 7 for context. Jack.
0: They did? Oh, okay. Y- yeah, the orange then.
2: Well, if you should have picked UConn Coward. Uh, final game of the slate, 8 p.m. ACC Network, Boston College versus Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech favored by three points, so that's just the home field advantage. Uh, Jake, you have the final first pick.
1: Uh, both these teams lost to teams. fire. To to last week. Um, give me Virginia Tech. I think they bounce back better. And Jack.
0: I thought Boston College would pull it off, uh, but I guess did not. Djurkovic still threw for 283. I'm, I'm going to still bank on Djurkovic here and go with, the, go with the Eagles.
2: All right. Wrapping up rapid fire with Sicko's picks of the week. I will start. I want Duke to cover versus Northwestern. It's going to be a truly reductive day in football in on Ryan Field on the tallest grass in America Jake, what'd you got for me?
1: Not to spoil Jack's pick, but we all picked ACC games this week for some reason. Um, I'm taking Syracuse uh, at minus 22.5. Yes, I'm picking the Syracuse Orange to cover a 22.5 point spread on the road. And that's because they're playing in East Hartford, which isn't even stores. So, uh, you know, hopefully the ACC picks up one of those vaunted non con wins this weekend.
0: And Jack. I win for one of the Atlanta games, the Georgia State North Carolina game. North Carolina is only favored by seven and a half, so that seemed a little that seemed a little low to me. I mean, I know they're not great, and USC is probably gonna have something to say, but I I think that's still a reasonable game for, for UNC to win by ten.
2: I think we've all learned that UNC has no semblance of defense again, so that'll be fun for Georgia State at least. But that was a rapid fire. That is it for us this weekend. We will catch up with you again next week. Mr. Grant, plug our stuff and take us home. Thank you all for
1: listening. As always, uh, this has been Science of the Southland. You can find us at FTRS blog on Twitter from the rumble seat, uh, dot com, where all of the articles that are associated with not just this here, fine podcast, but uh, the uh, hosts as well as all of our other staff. Uh, so go check it out. We cover everything at tech, uh, from volleyball to football, basketball to uh question mark, whatever else comes up. Uh, if you would like, you could email us at, at from the rumble seat at gmail.com. Uh, we do value your input and, uh, We really, we do really like to hear what you guys have to say. It really helps us guide, um, not only what we talk about on the podcast, but also our mailbags and our general content. So let us know your thoughts, comment on articles on the website as well. If you ever want to find myself, I am at Jake grant 98 on Twitter, uh, tweeting about urbanism stuff as well as Georgia tech sports and the intersection of the two. And we've also got Jack at Jack Nicholas, um, Again, uh, you can find our work at from fromthereumbleseat.gmail.com. You can follow along Akshay's pet project, Game on Paper, for all of your advanced sports and stats needs for college football. And we would once again like to thank Section 103 for their partnership. You can find this wherever fine podcasts are sold. Have a great Tuesday night or Wednesday when you're hearing this. Good night and go Jackets.